my privilege to welcome those of you that are listening by radio, those of you that are viewing us on the internet or by television to the service that's already in progress at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located at 1720 J Street at the corner of J and Doolittle. You are joining us on a very special day. We are today beginning um, our journey with our new pastor, Pastor O'Neill Madden. And so for those of you who have been like us, long awaiting the coming of our new senior pastor, we invite you to listen to him today and to continue with us as we continue in this new journey. So after the next song of inspiration, which will be brought to us by our youth choir, the next voice that you will hear is that of our new senior pastor, Pastor O'Neill Madden.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, some of you might wonder where our dear Pastor Lee Wars was. Uh, he was doing some business in the back with a few of our members. Uh, just right as I stood up, he gave me a list. And he has a list of the 15 names plus the spears. And, uh, and so we're going to have this um, read. I want to have this read. I want to have this voted. And I'm going to ask Pastor Leroy to come. You understand your writing better than me, right? And <laughs> All right. So what we'll do uh, right at the end, we will go right to the business and take care of it real quick. And for our listening audience, we'll just dive into the business that we're waiting. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. Is God good, everyone? Amen. I don't know about you, but I feel at home today. And I know that God has something in store for us. Because where God's people gather, the scriptures here, where two or three are gathered in my name, the Lord has promised indeed that I am there. And we are serving such a personal God. God, he so delights in fellowship. You know, so many times um, we've had false prophets coming along and saying that God is, he is not a God that likes fellowship. He's not a God that is a God that likes to smile. But I want you to know that my God, your God, the creator of heaven and earth, he delights to fellowship with his people. You know, we, he doesn't want to see these gloomy Christians coming and leaving church. When God's people come together, there needs to be celebration. Amen? Because indeed, the church of God is, is a gateway to heaven. And so if people could come to church um, every week and come to see something different from the world, and they come and they see us gloomy and angry at each other, they would not be encouraged to go to heaven at all. Amen? And so we need to have that joy in our heart. We need to claim the promises of Psalm 100. Amen? And we got to make a joyful noise. You know, we got to come into the house of God with that joyful noise. Amen? And so on behalf of my family, myself, my son Daniel, Jonathan Madden, and Crystal, Talisa, Naomi Madden, and my wife, Anne-Marie, uh, we just want to tell you that we are looking forward to serve this congregation. And uh, I don't know, but there is something about this abundant life. I don't know where the name came from, but I'm going to be acquainted with the history as the days go by. But I think it was appropriately named Abundant Life because it's all about that life. God, he doesn't want us to simply live. He doesn't want to see us to simply get by. He wants us to have abundant life. Amen? It can't be any ordinary thing. And I believe that God has placed this church not too far from the strip for a reason. Uh, you are strategically placed for a reason. And if you don't know it, you will know it. God is in the business of depopulating hell and making up his membership for heaven. Amen? How many of you are excited about this? Let me see your hands. Amen? Amen. Amen. Today, I've entitled my message, Comfort Zone. Comfort Zone. Many times, God's people, we allow ourselves to get too comfortable that 
we are no good to our communities around or even in fact in the community that the church is in and God is asking us not to get too comfortable but he's asking us to step out of our comfort zones and so uh, this morning we're going to have a little discussion on that and I won't be keeping you too long I know the time is going by but we want God's word to be heard this morning amen, amen. and so in a very humble way I want to pray that the Lord will give me the power give me his spirit more than anything give me his words that we will leave here today rejoicing amen let us pray father in heaven we are your people and we need to hear from you father and i'm asking that you'll hide me behind calvary's cross that the words that comes from me will not be about me but it will be about you father if what i have prepared is not in accordance to your will please i pray for a divine disturbance and that indeed your words will come out to your people today. Bless and keep us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's always interesting when we review scripture. We've seen many uh, calls. God calling men and women out of their territory to come to another place to serve. Uh, we have to understand as uh, my professor a few years ago, Dean Davis, said it is very important for us to understand that there is a divine council in heaven. Just as you would see a general standing and placing his people at various places in time, in the, in the, in the process of time, and placing men and women in specific uh, situation to accomplish God's will, uh, the will of an army, the same way God does the same for his men and his women. And we got to understand, we got to understand how it works. God's divine counsel, basically in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it says, God does nothing on earth unless he consults his servants, the prophets. And so God is working through people to affect uh, his will upon any various territory. And so we got to understand that God, he is a God that is a God of strategy. And so when we see God setting his, his people in places and calling his people out of one place to go to another place, uh, we have to watch out. Because none of us could say that we know definitively the will of God. But God has a purpose, and he has a will. And he has a mission for each and every person within the hearing of my voice. And so as we focus on that call, we see uh, God calling a man called Abraham out of a land uh, Ur of the Chaldees, the Mesopotamian Valley, and calling him to a place that he has never seen. Calling him to go to a place that he, he doesn't know anyone. And so uh, Abraham, he accepted the call, and he packed up his, his wife, his, his family, his, all his cattle, and all the riches, and he traveled. But as he traveled, God was bringing him on a journey. You see, as you look back and you review the story of Abraham back in the book of Genesis, you see that Abraham did not have a smooth ride. Abraham, his life was threatened. Abraham, his wife was threatened. Abraham, he went through great adversity. Even the great promise that God had promised him, his very son, that was God showed up and tested him. You see, God, sometimes when he calls you, you may not be fully equipped, but when you get to the place that he desires you to be, you will be equipped. You see, this is a God that we serve. He may not give you all the equipment that you need to succeed, but he will bring you through a process that when you get to the place of his desire, 
you will be equipped to do his service. Amen? And it's all about serving God. I know that there are people within the hearing of my voice, uh, sometimes we get caught up in the hype. We get caught up in the way we look, in the way we sound, in the way things are, the aesthetics. But God is not in that. God is in the business of, of taking junk and making it in something great. And so Abundant Life, I want you to know that if you are called, and you are called, God is calling you out of where you are, and he is going to prepare you. He will suit you up. He will dress you up. He, if you can't sing, and singing is needed, he will give you the voice to sing. If you can't preach, and preaching is needed, he will give you what is needed to accomplish his will. And so that's the kind of God that we serve. I remember another prophet that I could identify with, uh, the prophet Jonah. Uh, when Jonah was called to go to the wicked city of Nineveh, uh, what did he do? He went in the opposite way. He was running away from God, running away from his calling, running away from the mission that God has given him. You see, Abraham and Jonah, they were comfortable in their city. They were comfortable in their place. And God called them out, sending them into a place to accomplish their will. Now, eventually, when Jonah, after episodes of having a storm and the sea that was threatening the boat to sink and throwing him into the, into the water, into the sea, and a whale swallowing him up, and he spent three days vacation in the belly of a whale, and then he was vomited out, and then after with all the goo and all the stuff that he had from that vomit, he was walking, he had to go all the way into Nineveh. God was preparing him for something that he didn't understand. But when we saw that Jonah went into the city and he prophesied over the city, and expecting to be a prophet of doom, and the people of the city repented, Jonah was discouraged. You know, sometimes when things don't go our way, we get discouraged. But I want you to understand that God is the one that sets up, as Isaiah said, he sits on the circle of the earth and he looks down on the inhabitants of the earth and the inhabitants of the earth are like grasshoppers. But God is seeing, he's looking at you and he's seeing your potential. He's seeing your future. You see, when God looks at us, he doesn't look at us where we are. He looks at us where we could be. God is a possibility God, and if we only are obedient to him, great things will happen. But so many times we run away just like Jonah, but praise God for what, what was accomplished in Jonah's life. We see another very interesting call with this um, man that was a tyrant in the New Testament, uh, causing many people to go to jail for preaching. Uh, he actually witnessed the stoning of Stephen in the book of Acts. And you know who I'm talking about. This man that they call Saul. And he was trained as a Pharisee. He was doing God's will, he thought. And he was trying to stamp out the work of the Christians. And as he stamped it out, more Christians grew and the church got stronger. But he had an encounter on the road to Damascus. And as he was traveling on this road, the, the Lord just blindsided him and he just threw him off his horse. And he saw the Lord uh, in, in this the, the brightness and the Lord had uh, given him a, a message, a message that he was uh, shocked about, that he didn't even know that he was fighting against God. And Saul, at that time, he entered Damascus, a changed man. He was blinded, 
But God used his blindness, that blindness, that he was able to see things differently. Uh, many scholars said that he suffered the rest of his life with an eye condition. But praise God, God used that condition to convert a Saul into Paul. You see, sometimes God takes you from your comfort zone, take you from your place of comfort, and somehow he disturbs, he just shakes your world. Now, church, many of us have found ourselves in this church, in this abundant life church, and we have been here in this church for years serving are not serving. We have been in this church for years, coming to church every Sabbath, celebrating the Sabbath for one or two hours, and we head back home and back to the hustle and the bustle. We have been coming for years. We have been on the membership books for years but inactive. God is calling us to make a difference. Yes, they may call the city sin city, but we are not to focus on the sin. God has placed you here, all of us here, for a reason. And I believe that God is he's in the mission of depopulating hell. He is in the mission of taking a people that even maybe 400 people going out across the city, changing the city into something greater. Now, I want you to understand with me. There are some of us that's teeter-tottering between the world and the church. We're sleeping in the windows of the church. Uh, we are lukewarm Christians. Uh, and we are comfortable in that position. We, we are comfortable, you know, just playing around. And God wants you to step up and he wants you to be on fire for him. Now I'm telling you, I came here to this church not for anyone to glorify me, not for anyone to like me, not for anyone to fall in love with this pastor. I came to this church to do God's will. And I believe, I believe that somehow there is a mission for us to accomplish here. And so if you have been a pew-sitting Seventh-day Adventist, for all these years, my encouragement to you is for you to be active. Because I'm going to ask you not only to sit in the pews, but I believe that as God bids us, as the love of Christ constrains us, we need to go forward in faith. Amen? Praise God. The story is told in the book of Acts, chapter 7. Verse, chapter 20, verse 7 to 11. This story was written, no doubt, by a doctor, a very observant doctor called Dr. Luke. And as this story goes, it's the story told of that man that was blind, that God caused him to be blind, that he was able to see. And this man, the Bible tells us in verse 7 of Acts chapter 20, it says, upon the first day of the week, I'm hearing Bibles still turning, verse 7, Acts chapter 20, verse 7, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, that was Saul, 
Paul preached unto them, ready to, 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 to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they had gathered together. And there sat in the window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen deep into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk deep in with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. Verse 10, and Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him and said, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. And when he therefore was come up again and broken bread and eat, eaten, and talked a long while, even till the break of day, so he departed. We see this story, a very interesting story, of this eager evangelist that was redeemed from the world, that is Paul, and he was preaching the word with great vigor. Now, at this time, he was preaching, and he preached long into the midnight hour. And there was this young man, this young man in the window of the church. Now, you have to understand, uh, they didn't have glass back then. Uh, and so they had these openings just to, to allow the flow of air, the natural ventilation to come into the church. And so it would be the equivalent of having these openings in the church. And you would have these individuals sitting in the window of the church. And perhaps this young man uh, was encouraged by the adults many times to, you know, come from the window, come and sit down. But somehow this young man just, just loved to hang out in the outskirts of the church. Now, I remember one church I pastored, and um, as soon as the divine service started, the young people, you'd find them in the doorways of the church. They'll just hang around there, and they'll have their own church. You know, and a few times when I wasn't preaching, I would go out and join them and say, what are you guys talking about? You know, we just mix things up, and, and some of them, they're talking about some conscious stuff. But here we see this young man, he was hanging around in the outskirts of the church, and perhaps Eutychus was there where he could converse with his friends on the outside. Perhaps his friends were on the outside today, hey, Eutychus, what's happening there? And he probably said, some boring preacher preaching there, you know, in the church, and just, I mean, I feel so sleepy. And uh, you see, he was, Eutychus symbolized a young man caught between the church and the world. Caught up between the church and the world. He was hearing what was happening in the church, but also he was able to converse and mingle with the things on the outside. But the thing with Eutychus is that he was three stories high, way into the air. And so as he was in this compromising position, he fell asleep, and he fell, fell down, and they went down, verified that he is dead, useless, hopeless, rather. Many of our young folks, and even older ones, have fallen out of the church, and we have prescribed them dead. We have said that it is hopeless. That person is not coming to church anymore. They're dead. And, and so we, we, we go down and we verify that they're dead. And as Eutychus was uh, verified to be dead. But the interesting thing about it is that as I grew up in the church, so many times we see these individuals uh, outside that have fallen outside. And we leave them there. 
we prepare a burial and we don't even try to resurrect them. There is one thing that I've always had a conflict with the church, uh, with our church, is that so many times we confuse revival and reformation. Too many times uh, we have seen individuals, uh, these, as I would say, these goat preachers in Jamaican term, they come and they, they preach these uh, reformation, these messages of reformation. Oh, you know, the reform message, you have to look how you dress, uh, what you eat, these reform messages. And they're preaching the message of reformation when the message of reformation is not needed at this time. The message of reformation needs to be preached, but when? If you see someone that is dying and a body on the ground gasping for air, what do you do? Do you try to reform the body? You get down and you breathe in. You pump the air, get the person going. You need to revive the person. We need to revive our young people. We need to revive our people that's on the outskirts. We need to have a message of revival. Abundant life is very important for us to understand. So many of us within Adventism right now, we have it all confused. And we are preaching this message of reformation, trying to reform people without reviving them first. We need to understand, as a church, we're in this community, in this ghetto community. We need to preach a message of revival. We need to get out of these four walls. We need to get out of our comfort zones. You see these nice, cushy pews that you have? Yes, it's very nice to come to church every Sabbath, but the church and the, the mission is on the outside. God has placed you to make a difference, place us to make a difference in Vegas. And it is time for us to understand that this message that we must preach is a message of revival. We must revive the people on the outside. We need to minister beyond the four walls of this church. Ministry does not only take place here, but is on the outside. And God is calling us. He is calling us out of our comfort zones. When Pastor Untuser called me a few months ago, five months ago to be exact. And he called me and I said to him and I slipped and I said, uh, Pastor, I'm really in my comfort zone. Uh, you got to understand, you, you know, I've been in this church uh, for about nine years combined. And uh, the Lord has blessed the ministry uh, where we combine two churches and we started a, a great work there, uh, our community services, and we're ministering to Montreal. And I'm just so eager with, you know, the, the work of evangelism. I'm trying to just fill the church and get things going. And I'm, I'm planning for next year. And then pastor calls me and says, well, uh, Elder Madden, would you consider uh, having your name on, uh, as one of our prospective pastors. And I said, no, Pastor, not at all. I'm, I'm really, I have a mission where I am. You know, I'm comfortable where I am. I'm in my comfort zone. And as if uh, the Lord connected him with his devotion, connected me with his devotion that morning, the Lord says, well, I have one for you. And after he finished reading that devotion, I was shocked. I was shocked. And he says, I believe the Lord may be saying something to you. And I said, Pastor, I agree. But the strange thing about it, my wife was, as I told you, was the one that was, she was the safe bet. I know that she was going to rescue me. <laughs> but when she said, no, uh, I, think, I think you should consider this. I think we should consider this adventure. That was the exact word she used. I said, well, Lord, okay. And then after Pastor Untusir um, mentioned what he said and shared his devotion, I said, well, um, 
maybe there's something, then my wife and myself said, listen, let's pray. If this is a clear call, if this is a clear call, the Lord will show it to us, that there's no, nothing tied up in this. And we figured out that we are safe. I'm safe. You know, I'm going to continue my ministry there in Quebec. But when Pastor went to Sarah, disrupted my exercise <laughs> routine on that Thursday morning. And, and he called me, and I ran out of that gym. And uh, he says, well, Elder Madden, I want you to know that uh, the executive committee met, and we unanimously have agreed to call you to be the pastor of the Las Vegas Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, I, I almost fainted. <laughs> I said, Lord, you didn't do this. You know, you're not, what are you up to, God? You know, I was blindsided by God. And for one of the first times in my life, my life, I'm seeing God working in such mysterious ways. I don't know what God has planned, but I was willing to step out of my comfort zone and accept the call to come here. Church, I believe just as this young man, Eutychus, whose name means fortunate, God is calling his people, he's calling us to our, the reality that they're individuals that's right now within their comfort zone. God is calling them to step out and to get busy for him. And so when we look at this story here, we see that this young man, he was out, dead out of the church. And the, the elders and the, the members of the church, they verified that he was dead. And uh, Paul now, a man that understood, he was a recent convert, but he knew that God was working in a mysterious way. God ran down, and uh, Paul ran down and picked up this young man, and he prayed for him, embraced him, prayed for him, and said, trouble not yourself. Life is within him. You see, what we have to understand, church, God wants us as a people to resurrect others, to tap others, to bring back life into them. God wants us. He doesn't want us to just come to church and, and see church in an ordinary way. God wants us to do extraordinary things if we allow ourselves to be used by God. There is a mission that God has for each and every one of us. This young man, he came back to life for a reason. There are many young people. There are many slightly older folks that is outside of church right now. And somehow the lights have gone out. And it is our duty to step out of our comfort zone and to reach out and to restore them. It is very important for us to understand. Ellen G. White wrote this in Review and Herald, February 25, 1902. It says, a revival and reformation must take place under the ministration of the Holy Spirit. Revival and reformation are two different things. Revival signifies a renewal of the spiritual life, a quickening of the power of the mind and heart, a resurrection from the spiritual death. Reformation signifies a reorganization, a change of ideas and theories, habits and practices. Reformation will not bring forth the good fruit of righteousness unless it is connected with the revival of the Spirit. Revival and reformation are to do their appointed work. And in doing this work, they must be blended. We must understand that God is calling forth for this church to be an entity of revival. 
but also accompanied by reformation. We must first preach the message of revival. We must have revival in our homes. We must, have, we must restore the time when families come together and pray together uh, in the mornings and in the evenings. We must restore the devotional time in the homes. We must restore fathers and mothers coming together, praying for their families, anointing their families on a daily basis. We must restore this in the home, and this must be restored in church. I was so happy this morning when I came to church, 8 o'clock, and I saw a team of individuals praying for the church, praying for the community, praying for the mission of the church. This is indeed what God wants for his people to do. We cannot accomplish this on our own. It is not no fancy ideas. It must be people coming together across purposes and allowing the Spirit of God to work through them. We must understand it's not about us. It is not about our ability. It is about our availability and allowing the Lord to speak through us. And so church, abundant life. God is calling for his people to come together as one. Jesus, when he walked the earth, he recognized this. And he said this in the book of Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I believe that God wants us to preach this message to the city of Las Vegas. I believe that God is calling us and he's activating us for service. He is calling us for such a time as this. And we are living in a prophetic time of earth's history. Indeed, this is the end of time. And God is calling each and every one of us to accomplish this mission. And so, folks, if, we, if you came to church today thinking that you're coming just to church to listen to a message... If you came with your remote control to tell the preacher what to preach, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong church. Uh, if you came to church to just to be entertained, it is not about entertaining. If you came to church and you think that you're just going to come and leave and thinking that there is no commitment on my part, it is not so. God is calling all of us into a continual commitment. It is each and, every, each and every one of us working together to accomplish God's purpose in this area. And so it's all about evangelism. It is all about evangelism, each and every one of us evangelizing at work, evangelizing in your community, evangelizing in your schools, evangelizing right across this city. Now, as we go on, there are going to be some strange things that the Lord may ask us to do. But sometimes God used strange things to even confound the wise, right? And I just want to thank God for what he has done. And I've seen some strange things. This uh, week, I was just looking at the television. I understand that today they have a march for uh, Alzheimer's in this city. And I was just saying that what if uh, we get a few giddy-headed, spirit-filled, Seventh-day Adventists, maybe a hundred or two hundred, and say, well, on Sabbath, we're going to join this march. And we're going to say uh, Seventh-day Adventists uh, for the Alzheimer's victims, or whatever we want to say it on the t-shirts and hats, and we're marching with them. What if we want, what if the Lord taps us and to evangelize in strange ways? Joining the march, joining, walking down this trip, handing out pamphlets and so forth. God has called and placed us in this place for a reason. In speaking to a few members, as I conclude, I realize that most members that's in this church came from somewhere else. I've heard members relocating from New York. I've heard Detroit, I've heard Haiti, 
from all different walks of life, people coming into this place, seeking opportunity. But one thing I realize, that sometimes God brings you from uh, a place of uncertainty, and you came from that place to this place, and you wonder why. God, he says he brings two or three. Two or three are gathered in my name. Where he says two or three are gathered in my name, he says I am there. And God is here in Vegas, in Sin City. He is here in you to accomplish a great purpose. And I believe God, God is going to use this church. He's going to use this church to do great things for God. Amen? And this is no political speech because there's nothing to gain from that. The only thing that we want to gain is we want to gain souls. Amen? Amen. We want to gain souls and we want to see people marching in the kingdom of God. And we want to accomplish great things for God. So today, as you have heard the word of God, as you have seen that indeed that God has called us here for a purpose, how many of us will stand today and says, listen, I want to answer the call. I want to accept that call. I want to be on that road. When the Lord tells us and taps us to stand forth and move, right? I want to be among them. How many of us would want to stand and say, Lord, I'm going to be on that road today. I know that this is an unpopular message. I know that some came to hear some flurry words. You're not going to hear always some flurry words, but people, this is about revival. We have a lot of dead folks around, and the Lord wants a resurrection in his church. Amen? And so, folks, as we stand today, there may be individuals that may be pondering and they, they're wondering, uh, you know, I know that God is calling me into something even greater and I want to be prayed for. I want hands to be laid on me as I'm being prepared for the mission that God has for me. If there's anyone in this category, I'm going to invite you to come forward. We want to pray for you. We're going to pray for God's anointing upon your life. Amen. I want to encourage you. The Lord is calling you. And you know that God's calling is upon your life. You know that you have been holding back for a long time. And God is saying, listen, today, I want to tap you for service, sister. I want you to... I, wanna, I want you to move in my direction. I want to fill you with the Holy Spirit. This is the time. Folks, we got to understand that there's a mission for every one of us. As we come together here, I want to make another call. You may have been coming to this church for a while or maybe you came in for the first time and you want to say today I want to give my heart my life to Christ I've been going through struggles but somehow I realized that God he wants to resurrect me. I am a Eutychus and I want the power of God to be in my life. I want to accept you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. If this is your wish and your desire, if you're here at the front, I'm asking to lift your hand. If you are in the audience, I'm asking to come forward. Amen. Amen. You want to say, listen, I don't want to be counted on the enemy's camp anymore, but I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Just lift those hands. 
pray for you at this time. Eternal God in heaven, once again we come before your throne. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. You're an awesome God. Lord, as we stand up here, each and every one of us standing, Lord, we want to be used by you. We, we are saying enough, Lord. We don't want to be a, a Christian that is titter-tottering between the, the church and the world. We want to stand out and we want to say, Lord, I want to be used by you. I pray, Father, that your divine anointing will be upon each and every one in this place. Oh, Lord, I pray for especially those individuals that came up here today. Lord, they want to be especially used. They want that extra divine unction to function. And I pray, Father, that your anointing will be upon them, that you will use them, Lord, that you will qualify them, Lord. Help them to know that they may not be equipped now, but as they travel on that place where you will use them, they will be fully equipped and cladded for service. And we pray, Father, for those who have accepted you as their Lord and Savior. We pray that, Lord, as heaven rejoices, that you will seal their decision. Help them, Lord, never to turn back, but to always move forward in you. Oh, Lord, I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you for your power. Where would we be without you? We give you praise, Father. We give you honor. And we give you the glory. For we ask these things in the worthy name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and our soon coming King. Amen. 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 Hug somebody. Hug somebody. Touch someone beside you. Amen. Receiving the remnants, ruminating on the word. What a word, amen? amen. Can the church say amen? amen? We're so grateful to have our senior pastor deliver a wonderful message. Such a great spiritual feast. And I'd like you to know that we got the physical feast next door. So I want you to go nowhere. I want you to come have a little main course and a little something, something after that. And we will sit, break bread, physical bread together. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Now we have this little business here and um, I'm going to assist our senior pastor with this. The names are as follows for the large committee. In the quietness of this chapel, we know that you have been present on this day, on your holy Sabbath day. You are with us every day of the, the week, but Lord, this is special. And we thank you for being here. Thank you for sending your spirit not only to worship with us, but to live in our hearts. And as we go from this place, help us to take the challenge to this city to revive those souls who are desperately in need of revival. And sometimes that's inside of us. So, Father, we pray for your blessing and thank you for your manservant, Pastor Madden, who has given us this word this morning. Go with us now in peace. Go with us in love. Go with us in joy as we look forward to your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.